Our podcast might contain some strong language. Welcome to season two of the Red Carpet Treatment with me, Jordan Stevens, brought to you by the Brit Awards with MasterCard. Over the next eight episodes, I'll be chatting to some of your favorite artists and presenters about life, music, and of course, the Brits. Now, some of you may be tuning in to hear Nella Rose and and getting a shock because this isn't Nella's voice, it's my voice. Jordan Stevens, for season two, I'm in charge. Nella is in a cupboard. No, I'm joking, she's not. She, we've just, we've made some changes. I'm in, she's doing other stuff. We're in a new studio and I've got two dogs with me, which is a big win, Spike and Mimi. I was a guest on Nella's show and it was great. Um, you know, we had a good time, naturally. I wanted to step up and maintain the quality uh, because she will be listening. Big up Nella. All right, Nicola Roberts is my guest today. Pop royalty, let's not get it twisted. Girls Aloud member. What I know about Nicola is that she has, behind the scenes since Girls Aloud, worked on a lot of really great music. A known songwriter, very cool. When I first met Nicola, she was very chill, with her own energy, didn't feel like she had to put on a show for anybody, which is obviously running counter to me, who, when feeling nervous in social situations, I obviously just, you know, fall over, something like that, make a joke out of myself. I was a big fan of Nicola's solo album, Off the Back of Girls Aloud, arguably the coolest one. I don't want to start a beef. Here it is, Nicola Roberts, man. I'm looking forward to chatting to her. OG. Bonjour et bienvenue to today's guest. You may have no idea what I just said because she famously doesn't speak French. A Queen Bee is here. It's Brit Award winner, Nicola Roberts. Hi. Hi. Can you actually not speak French? No, I can't. At all? No, we, we did record that song in French and we had a French um, lady very meticulously dictating to us the, the lyrics and it was very tedious and annoying on a hot summer's day in an attic in the studio in, in Kent and it was just like... The Paris of England. Mm-hmm. Mm. The Garden of England. You also are a fan of croissants. You just had a bit. To my defense, I have a sugar problem. Right. I have something called hyperglycemia. Okay. And though I have eaten like an hour hour ago, I just had to have something quick. Your sugar's dropped. Yeah. So you had to hit the croissants. I just had to hit that quick and then we can remove it in a minute. How many croissants do we have in a week? We're trying not to have croissants. Why? Because they give me bad skin. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, I'm actually devastated for you. Yeah. That's wild. I know. Are there any Girls Aloud fans in France? Mm-hmm. Are there loads? Yeah, I was outside of the George Sank one day in Paris and someone came running up to me. She's like, hi, I'm a big fan. She's lovely, her name's Samantha. Oh, right, okay. Um, she's the main French fan. She's the, the most French identifiable fan. French fan. Okay. Yeah. Off the top of my head. Right. If you had to redo your winning Brit moment in French, what would you say? Isn't there a swear word that says, that's like... What's that? It means like... Something. Sarah goes up and she's like, it's about time. It's something like that. And we're all like, oh my God. Yo, that's real. <laughs> yeah. That's iconic. It was, but at the time we were like, oh my God, we're on live TV and... Yeah, but you can't hide that. We want authenticity. We do, and she really gave it. You started when you were 16. Yeah. Audition for Pop Stars The Rivals. Yeah. Classic television. How did you deal with that at 16? I started at 18 and that was pretty wild. We were very much like auditioned out of all them people, put together by the public. 
pretty wild really when you look back and you think about the fact that like you did that and you went through that experience but I think when you're that age I mean you'll know like at 18 like you try and normalize everything to be able to deal with it yeah so you just you just normalize everything and you're just like one day at a time yeah oh I'm auditioning for this today I'll just like sing my best and see if I get through and then you get through and then it's the next round so you're like I'll do my best mm. and it just goes on like that and before you know it you're just in something is there anything from the audition process that sticks with you i just remember jerry being so supportive like she really championed me which is was crazy because i was a massive spice girls fan and she was my favorite so then like only a few years later at 16 to be like supported and and championed on by like your child idol yeah, was like wild. this is actually insane whoa yeah that was pretty crazy do you remember what you sang in the first audition i sang shakira's underneath your clothes but I, when i was little i used to sing all things underneath like underneath your clothes yeah, there's an endless sing. story whitney houston and celine dion and all those but i was like how can i make it like relative to the younger chart so i i think that was on the radio at the time and i sang that it's a good song that still makes me feel weird like if i hear it randomly because it's not a song that occurs all the time like it's not always on the radio it's just like you know mm. it's quite niche isn't it it is a classic what would you sing now if auditioning i sang a lewis capaldi song on my singer i love yeah. that lewis capaldi or like legend. i don't know rise up or rise up <laughs> what's rise up should i know that do you know that you don't know that song ah oh, yeah. yes the song by something like that well, who's that by? Andra Day. Andra Day. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of out of the loop. I can't lie to you. I catch things now and again. I'm out of the loop as well. Are you? I've got no idea who anyone current is. Anyone? Just literally, I'm like, oh, everyone's raving about someone. And I'm like, I have no idea. You know that thing when you're, you're, when you're younger and like you say, oh, Nan, like my favorite singer. And she's like, love, I don't know who that is. I'm there. Oh my God. I've actually got a traumatizing story about new music with my gran. What? So my grandma's was coming over for Christmas one time, yeah, God rest her soul. I was in my mid-teens. Okay. My mum used to have one of those hi-fis that have like the CDs that change. She had had a few CDs and my mum has got a great taste in music. She's introduced me to nearly every musician that I love. One of the albums was Aretha Franklin and then another album was like a Mojo compilation okay. album. And the first track on that was a Plan B song. So my mum made me get the Plan B album and that was another one of the albums. She's like, quick, your grand's turning up, press play. And it was Plan B's album. So... My gran's walking in slowly. I remember getting through the door and it goes, it's my time now, get me. Oh my God. That's the first line on Plan B's debut album. And she's like, how are you and raising my gran's this like, child? Oh, change the CD, man. Plan B, Rapid. abusing my gran's ears. She's probably thinking, what is my daughter having her child listen to? Yeah, mad. But when you say that you haven't had current music, are you still songwriting? Are you yeah, no, I am. But like my vibe. Because I was songwriting for other artists for a long time. Yeah, right. And I just got sick to death of like pitching songs and then, then being like, yeah, but can it sound a bit more like this one on the radio or this oh. one? And it's like, you understand that a track has to sat, be able to follow a certain trend on radio, whether it's like tempo, yeah. pitch, whatever it is, vibe. Like you can't just come with something completely random and creative because radio will be like, what, what, what do I follow this with? I know. Like, what track do I play after this? Like, I can't, this is not in the trend. 
So then you can't really be creative as a songwriter because you're just trying to fit into a box that's not necessarily aligning with your creative authenticity. Yeah. And it literally got to the point where I went into my publisher and was like, just don't put me in any more sessions anymore. I'm just really, this is like making me unhappy and depressed. Who have you written for as a songwriter? I've written for Jade for Little Mix, mm -hmm. Tanache, Cheryl, Dance Tracks. I did some stuff for Rita, Iggy Azalea. More, like someone tweeted me the other day and was like, well, I had no idea that you wrote this. And I was like, oh God, neither did I. <laughs> and then I re-listened back and I was like, yeah, I wrote that. Damn. At one point, just to go back to the group, Girls Aloud were massive. At one point, the biggest selling girl group of the 21st century, which is pretty wild. Proud of that. Mm -hmm. But what's your weirdest memory from those days? What can I say that's okay <laughs> to say? Like, it just is weird, no? Yeah. Like, it is just is quite far-fetched when you think about it. Like, five very, like, normal girls with no musical background just somehow managed to, like, go to the moon together. Yeah. Strange in that itself. Strange. Yeah. It is an odd concept. Mm-hmm. You, Cheryl, and Nadine met up for a 5K run Race for Life last year in memory of Sarah. Shout out, Sarah. Do you think losing her has brought you girls closer together? Yeah, definitely. Really? Yeah. I think that like what we went through as a five was massive in itself and that like bonds you in ways that like situations that where even like with your own siblings that like, you don't ever really get that 24 seven like life flips on its head kind of situation. But then to go through something where you lose part of you is just on a completely different scale. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, life is so fragile. Yeah. And it's fragile for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, what yeah. you do. And it's a very um, real realization, like a real thought. It's a re reality that is like sharp. Mm. Are there any memories of Sarah? Just like even going back to like that Brits moment, like yeah. how vivacious and full of life. And she was so talking about like authenticity. Sarah very much was authentic in who she was, like didn't try to be anyone else, never tried to tone herself down, wasn't even aware of the fact that she should maybe do that in, in certain settings. Like she was fully who she was all the time. Yeah. And that in itself is an achievement because so often we're like shaped in a certain way or if you're a sensitive person like you pick up on like little social nuances that you probably shouldn't say this probably shouldn't do that she was fully who she was all yeah. the time and for that like I was always I always admired her for that your solo album Cinderella's Eyes was released in 2011 to critical acclaim I always used to feel like I had this like dual existence like you have like you at home you normal you you like yeah. who's had this like home life that no one really knows about yeah and like your own insecurities and whatever else and then there's this like public persona life yeah, where right. you're performing at the Brits and winning Brit Awards and the two don't really correlate they don't really go together yeah it's two separate lives. Yeah. And I wanted to um, highlight that. 
it felt like it was a different direction at the time. People maybe weren't expecting that from you. Mm. Did you feel that? I think at that time I'd just done eight or nine years or something like that with the girls. Yeah. And with a certain production company, uh, Xenomania, who did all of our records. Right. When you've then been in the public for that amount of time and you're maybe pushed in a certain way via the media and before you know it you're just like covered in things that you didn't say you were yeah and so i think cinderella's eyes for me was like how do i literally blow all of them off yeah and just just shock and just be like push the boundaries and i'd be like okay we'd be making a track and i'd be like let's just dramatically change it and then throw this in and the producer would be like well we can't really do that and i'd be like why throwing everything in the kitchen sink and yeah. just being like, mm. yeah, almost like not a self-sabotage, but almost just like uh let's see how far we can push it. Fuck it. I like that. Especially if you've been marketed or people perceive you in a certain way and then you switch it up. Yeah. People say, I don't really understand this anymore. Yeah. Like, what, That's a good sign. What though. is this? Yeah. And if people can't understand it, then they often say i don't like it yeah people hate what they can't understand man. yeah i was like so bored in like the pop world of just smiling all the time i mean i'm quite a melancholic girl right like i'm very happy and i'm smiley all the time at home and i'm like very chill and funny <laughs> but i'm a bit of an observer i'm a bit of a thinker mm. and i think that that doesn't go very well when you've got four others that are like very on and then you look like, hmm. Zoned out. A little bit. Did you get that? Is that feedback you used to get? A bit zoned out. Miserable one. Miserable one. Mm. How do you feel about that? <sighs> Miserable. This is what it was, yeah. Is it true that you had a, a spat with Madonna in 2011? Um, gonna get wild Madonna heat. Madonna fans heat. Yeah, probably. My A&R yeah. had um, been in New York within Madonna's camp. Right. And they said to her, without realizing that I was her artist, that they took inspiration from Beat of My Drum for one of her songs. And then my A&R, Ola, was like, oh my God, she's my artist. Like, she's on A&M in England. So she nicked your shit? I'm not going to say anything. But no, Madonna is, you know, that's unusual because she's famed for not stealing anything. I didn't say she stole. I'm just telling you what... I don't know Madonna. I don't know her. Masked Singer, you only went and won it. Yeah. Did you get to choose your costume? No, I didn't actually. I wanted to be like an angel or a mermaid or something. Okay. And they were like, no, you're going to be Queen Bee. So I went and t I basically made the wings very much like Iris Van Herpen. Right. To just give my own little stamp on it. But apparently the mask originally was quite scary looking. Right. And they had to like soften the face because when they took the mask out and presented it to the crew, they were all like, whoa. Whoa. They were like, ugh. Be nightmares. Would you do that show? You should do it. I've been asked to do it more than once. So fun. The crew are the best. Who's the judges again? Davina. Yeah. Mo Gilligan. Yeah. Rita. Yeah. Jonathan Ross. One moment I love was when the politicians hit the mask off and Rita shouted, Alan Johnson. She doesn't know. Of course she doesn't know. That's where I, it stresses me out because it's like, obviously, if you're taking your mask off, people are going to immediately They're going to know it's you. Me? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not scared of not being known. It's savage though, like, because 
the bigger it gets, the more expectation people have of like huge names. So if people are like throwing out, <laughs> people are just throwing out crazy names, like, and then it's just you. Yeah, I got scared to take the mask off. Who did people think you were? They said Jade, actually. Really? Yeah, they were like, Jade. And I guess like every other member of the band. <laughs> I remember that you have to, you're filming it like three months before it's out. So yeah, we filmed that in the September and it aired in the January. Yeah, so did you tell anyone? I literally forgot. Because I did like three, four weeks on this thing and then it was like over. It was the most anti-climax winning experience you can imagine. <laughs> can't tell any of your friends or family that you've won this thing. They don't know that you've even done it. And then I literally woke up the next day and was just like sat on my sofa, like channel surfing, <laughs> like, oh, that was so fun. And I actually won. Wow. Okay. And then you just sort of like forget. And then it comes on and you're like, oh yeah, I did that. Who else did you have on your ear? Um, CeeLo Green. CeeLo, you beat CeeLo Green? I did. Sorry, I don't have a telly. That's the only reason I why. Beat, you don't have a TV? No. Nah. What, you watch everything on the laptop? Some things on the laptop. Yeah. I just, that kind of gal. Gal? Do you have a projector? Yeah, I yeah, do have a projector. Yeah, it's kind so of a TV. I have the movie experience. Yeah. I should have watched my cinema on catch up, is that what you're saying? Did you watch me on it? I should have watched it on catch up. Have you watched me on it at all? I've seen a clip of you on it. What clip? I don't know, you singing a song? What do you mean, what clip? My winning clip. Yeah, yeah, because you sang. What? I just told you Rise earlier up. that I, s I didn't sing that. Joss Stone Just sang Stone's, that the year after. Yeah, exactly. You, so you, you have so you not did. done your research on your What are you talking uh, about research? Today? Of course, I've, I've literally seen the, <laughs> mar the Mars thing, of course, with CeeLo Green <laughs> and else? Alan Johnson. Is it hot? Are you hot? Unexperienced you, presenter here, guys, FYI. You, you've attended the Brit Awards a bunch of times. Can you describe it in three words? Well, five girls getting ready to either attend or perform is like chaotic, quite nerve wracking, mm. frantic, a lot of like, makeup and underwear and dresses and seamstresses and it's not just like slip on a gown and turn up it's chaos yeah it is it is that if you're a boy in a duo me yeah looking like i mean it's hand-me-downs mainly normcore is how i describe it that was our style anti-fashion yeah. i'm into the anti-label look what's the maddest thing you've seen at the brits lady gaga came running into our dressing room screaming like i need pantyhose I need, I need tights and I need this. And we were like, take them, take whatever you want. Serious? <laughs> yeah. And then weirdly, I then interviewed her a few years later after that, completely out of my depth. We had the same TV plugger. Right. And Claire was like, let's do this thing with you and Gaga. And I was like, I yeah. can't do this. Like, if it's a chat, I can do it. But if it's, if it's like me interviewing her, I can't do it. She's like, she's so chill. It'll just be a girly chat. I was like, cool, I can girly chat. It was not a girly chat. I was like, with my cue cards, like, if you could do anything for the day, what would you do? It's a good question. If you could do anything for the day, what would you do? And she'd be like, die. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very scary. She just put it on you like that. Mm. If you could do anything for the day, die. She just like deadpan went, die. If you could be anyone, she said the moon. Or something like that. <laughs> Yo, that's my style I was like, humor. I haven't even had breakfast today yet and I can't. That is my style it. of humor. Oh my God. Jennifer Coolidge gets asked recently at an award ceremony what she wants her next acting role to be. Mm -hmm. And she said she wants to play a dolphin. Where did that come from though? Like irony or just sarcasm or just actual wants to play a dolphin? I think she legitimately wants to play a dolphin. Yeah. 
Have you ever considered that? Maybe she was a, yeah, I have a coach, the sickest coach. I was in a film, I did a play. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, sick. My coach is brilliant. I literally Do you like, like acting? Yeah, I love it. What's your dream role? I actually am able to be sinister quite easily. Really? That's mm. such a shock. Why? No, I'm just saying. It's just... It comes very natural to me to play a sinister character. Like in my acting lessons, he's like... You could play a good villain. It's harder for me to play a happy person. <laughs> so you'd like to be a villain, like? Just like something a bit darker. Yeah, just killing people. Mm. Swarms of fans. Maybe not like actually actioning death, but like just... Telling people to do it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, ordering death. Yeah, ordering in, death. En masse. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's coming. We can manifest that. How did you celebrate winning your Brit? We went to the Universal after party. Was it good? And had a lot to drink. It was very good. We performed and won. So it felt like it was a big night for us. And yeah. just for our team really as well. That was seven years in. Yeah. So although we'd been nominated before for like best group or pop act, it just felt like it was always not tangible. Yeah. And then that night it very much was. So it was like, okay, finally, like we have been recognized somewhat by this fantastic establishment. Can you remember much from that night? I was incredibly nervous. nervous. You know what the sickest thing was? The next day we woke up and on the front of the newspaper, it was Bono saying, I want to be in Girls Aloud. <gasps> that is pretty sick. This is quite good. All right, but I'm gonna test you with some questions from that night. Who hosted? I know that Alicia did this backstage. Who did host? Alan Carr gave us our award. No. Oh, yeah. Sharon Osbourne. Sharon Osbourne, is that a final answer? It's not, it was actually a really bizarre trio, if that helps. James Corden and Matthew Horne and Kylie Minogue. How weird is that? Yeah, that's fab. I almost said, I wish Kylie gave us our Brit, but I love Alan. Yeah, true, Alan Carr, I love Alan. national treasure. Yeah, Alan's fab. I went to a Halloween party with him recently, Maya's party, and he turned up and he was the fish out of Shape of Water. <laughs> Wow. So have you seen that film? No. Neither have I. Who became the first female artist to win three awards in the same year? Amy Winehouse? Nah, ne nearly though. Was it Kylie? No. Duffy. Yes. She won Breakthrough, Best Female and Best Album. And for a bonus point, what street does she live on? Warwick Avenue. Yes. When you got up on stage to collect your Brit, you've already said this, but there's another bit to it. So Sarah grabs it, says it's about time. And then what else did she say? I don't know. I was just like, ah. <laughs> she said, it's about time. I think I just wet myself. Oh, did she? <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't say, it's about time, you That's what I love. I loved it when you see Lewis Capaldi mm -hmm. at the Brits and he just constant swearing and then thanked his grand for dying. You've got to look at it like, you think about the Brits in the 90s where you had like Robbie Williams and like Liam Gallagher literally jumping on cross tables trying to like get at each other. Really? They're like, trying to fight the Brits? Yeah, like it was so rock and roll. I've got some more facts on you, but you got to tell me whether they're true or not because they're pretty interesting. Quite good at axe throwing. Yes, it seems. Wow. Not bad. That would be good for the Cheryl villain. Cheryl was sick at axe throwing. Really? Yeah. Nadine was not good at axe throwing at all. Diplo produced her first single. Yeah. Oh, we love Diplo. You know what happened is that I sampled Pond the Floor in like the August when I wrote it. Mm. And then when the label came to register it in the February, he was like, I'm so sorry, but Beyonce's literally just sampled the song about a month ago. 
And I was like, oh my God, now I have no song. So then I called him and just said, please, I need your help. Can you just recreate something that sounds like it? Because if you don't, then I have to go with another song and this is the other one we want to go with. And so he, he did, very kindly did. And he sent it back to me and I was happy. And that's how it was born. Not gonna lie though, every time I hear Beyonce's Run the World, there's this very tiny bit of me that's like. Oh. <sighs> yeah, annoying. Just should have got in there first. You had a cameo in Paddington too. No. I know, I was checking. I was like, did I? No, genuinely, those kind of things would happen and I'd be like, did we? Genuinely, I had a, I don't know if this is even fun to talk about because I don't know if it's more serious than I give on, but like I had a period of my life where I 100% forgot. I think it's trauma response. See, that's why I preempted that by saying, I don't know if this is deeper than... It is. <laughs> because I remember seeing a picture of AJ Tracy playing at Brixton Academy and I texted Harley going, oh, I'm so devastated we never got to play. Oh no, Hammersmith. Yeah. And Harley was like, we did play Hammersmith. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I can fully identify it's with wild, this. Isn't yeah, it? it is. And the things that you just have no recollection over. Or people will be like, things. I was working with someone the other day and they went, yeah, yeah, we worked together on the Olympics performance. Oh my what? God. When did that happen? I mean, with who? That's pretty big. It's that's quite a big, big one. That's worrying. Can't remember it. When someone goes, have you ever met blah, blah, blah? And you're like, oh, I don't know. And then you see a picture and you're like, yeah, oh, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's the wildest person you got a picture with? Celine Dion, and I, did, I couldn't remember that it ever happened. Whoa. Celine Dion, I've heard she's a character. The voice is unbelievable. Best ever? Whitney's my best ever, but I'd say she's my number two. So your nickname was Scylla, after Scylla Black. That's, That's for true. real, for real. Mm. Self-titled or someone else? Cause... My family would just be like, they'd hear me like coming down the street singing, and they'd be like, Scylla's, we'll be here in a minute. Or Scylla's at the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be in a girl band called The Five Musketeers. No. What? One of the musketeers said this. I mean, I know I'm from a small town, but like, please give me a bit more credit. Okay. I was in a band called Devotion. That's what we meant. You've written songs for Pro Green and Lethal Bizzle. Professor Green and Lethal Bizzle. Yeah. Yeah, just add them in. I do think though, on a serious level, it's important for, for you to get your flowers with that though. Because songwriting's not an easy feat, you know what I mean? And you've done a shit ton of it. I guess like there's a creative separation. Like if it was something that I was fully like put my own like interest into and then it was, there was flowers to be had, I'd be like, yeah. But I think that when it's so separate, you don't feel so connected. So it's like easy to give the song. The Tinashe song I wrote with Dev Hines, that was less easy to give away because I did feel connected to that one. It's mm -hmm. like you're a little child, but if you're just writing for other people, you don't really fully feel like, Odd. Also, I guess like it's not a song where it's in your creative preference. Mm -hmm. So you're not that proud of it, 100%. which is no disrespect to the people who've taken the songs and like the songs, but do you know what I mean? Well, people are putting their own spin on it, aren't they? They're, they're yeah, feeling a different exactly. part of it. It's interesting though. And bring it to life in their own way. Okay, here's a scenario. What would you do? <laughs> this is my favorite podcast I've ever done. It's like I'm really trying to hold this smile in. Which is bantering. Yeah. You go to sing The Promise at the Brits, but you realize that other girls are only singing in French. What do you do? A, you make it up as you go along. B, storm off in a rage because you're like, why do you know French? Or C, grab a beret and reveal the jokes on them because you actually do speak French. No, I just carry on. Do you have any performance memories that were just like, what, forgotten the words or? Sometimes I 
with my little sugar condition might blank out a little bit and forget the lyrics and I just look at Kimberly and be like it's happening serious it's happening again and then she'd just like sing my bit no way mm-hmm. lyrics is a massive thing for me like I'm not worried about notes or anything like that but lyrics is like I can rely on this. I can't always rely on this. Nicola, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're a legend, Lil Cola. Lil Cola, baby. Woo! Thank you. You've been listening to The Red Carpet Treatment, brought to you by the Brit Awards with Mastercards. Make sure you follow The Red Carpet Treatment on Apple or Spotify so all the episodes get delivered to your device every week. Coming up next week on The Red Carpet Treatment is Olivia Dean. Had you been to Glastonbury before? I'd been once before the year before. It says here you've performed four times though. I have performed four times. So the year before I went as a punter, wasn't supposed to play, managed to wang myself a little secret set. Sorry, you went there as a punter and blagged a set. Yes, I did. I did what did it. you do? <laughs> just jump on stage in between acts and just no, so hit it. Go. Go. Yeah.